Imagine having access to a tribe of mentors consisting of some of the best tech leaders in the world, people you may have never heard of, but who in just an hour, you'll know their unfiltered career story, the bets they took, the decisions they made, where they failed, and the lessons that they learned along the way. Welcome to the What Makes You Tick podcast. I'm Tolly, aka The Podfather, and I host What Makes You Tick. Thank you, Podfather. I'm Richard Washington. I'm the owner of Tick Talent. We're delighted to sponsor this podcast. Who have we got Big on this Rich week? in the building. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, I've been trying to lose weight, Tolly. Please don't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> so who's on the pod this week, Tolly? So this week's episode is Sean McCarry. What did you think of this week's episode? So love this one. I say that, that every week, but I tell you some specific reasons why. So Sean knows another person that we had on the pod very well because they went to school together, which mm. is one of my very, very favorite clients of all time, Mr. Jeremy Keefe. Mm. Um, so, and Sean probably is the most senior person that we've had on so far okay. in terms of the responsibilities that he's managed to rise to in his career. Um, work for some of the biggest companies in the world, Computer Center, Magento, mm. Um, Logitech, huge, huge levels of responsibility. And I think this is one of those things that the higher you go in a business, mm. typically the nicer the people are. Mm. And what I mean by that is to reach a level of responsibility where you're talking about hundreds of millions of pounds worth of revenue and thousands of, of employees, your level of communication skills, your level of empathy, mm. your understanding of leadership, your ability to get results through people to filter a vision and turn that into results and execution to build world-class teams and run those teams and create massive loyalty is so high mm. and sean i think is a, a living example of what it takes to reach that level but stay incredibly humble incredibly mm. focused on learning mm. um and just a wonderful person to talk to i know that you enjoyed the conversation because you spoke quite heavily about emotional intelligence which is really your like subject my lane, expert area. My swim lane. Yeah. what did you what did you um what did you most like about the conversation i what i love about what makes you tick in general right is we talk to these absolutely amazing people and they're all just so nice and so normal if that makes sense like sometimes you think like mm. they achieve such amazing things you think they must be like the most no but they're just like they're like you and i they work super hard though and they've done like loads of different things to get them to that place so for me often it's really mm. encouraging to see that like this is actually possible you know like they're not born as like superman or superwoman but they've become superman and superwoman do you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. sean is another one of those people super impressive really enjoyed the conversation amazing and i think people are going to love this episode and there's certainly a huge amount of value to take so without further ado let's roll the vt sean welcome to the show it's great to have you on thanks for joining no, delighted to be here. Good. I'm really, I'm really excited to to hear about your story. So the first question we ask is, Sean, what makes you tick? People. Okay. Um, I really enjoy the challenges of leading people in, in the IT sector. Uh, I've I've been working in the sector for now over thirty years. Started right. uh, at Dell Computers a long time ago. But, but and had a long stint following that at uh, Computer Center, where mm -hmm. we saw growth. Uh, that was specifically in the government division, which, when I left, was doing more than half a billion uh, pounds in those wow. days. I normally talk in dollars. We okay. worked for many U.S. companies, yeah. uh, but that's where I really enjoyed my first leadership roles. 
um, and and so so high growth. So it's definitely the management of people, mm. uh, and I really believe in um, what's called emotional intelligence uh, and okay. how how that helps in um, how you manage. And what does emotional intelligence mean to you? It means different leadership styles. It's it's how you interact uh, and get the best out of people. Mm. Um, you. you to have it, you've got to be, I think, self-aware. You, you've got to understand what impact you have on people. But it's really important to have those social skills, to have empathy. I think leaders that I've worked for before uh, and the roles I've done many times with um, uh, teams reporting to me, if you don't build that trust and that empathy, um, how can you succeed? Uh, yeah. And it goes back to my first comment about people. Uh, so emotional intelligence is the different ways in how you motivate, manage, coach, and and generally lead people. Hmm. And when did that become an awareness for you? Is that something you've always been aware of, or was there a like a turning point for you where you started to really realise how important that was? I think naturally, hmm. I, I I've always been a, a people person. Uh, hence, I'm in sales, hmm. um, but. I really started to learn the value of that skill set when I was lucky, lucky enough to um, go to the Harvard Business School uh, when I was at Novell. Uh, Novell was probably one of my you know, um, first senior executive roles uh, heading up the UK and Ireland business. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, had a, uh, I was lucky enough to spend um, time uh, on the program of leadership development. Mm. And a huge part of that was as well as understanding the financials and the balance sheets. But mm. it really did go into the emotional intelligence and how to succeed as a leader. And since then, I, I've really had that self-awareness mm. and, and mm. managed people and given people what they need to succeed. And how far into your career was, was that, that you started to learn that? Um, so uh, I, I was at, it was just after computer center so it was, it was probably 10 years into my okay. career where you know I really started learning those um, leadership styles more skills mm. um, so so I came through you know the, the sales process uh, and had that, that first management role at computer center uh, which was a great learning curve uh, <laughs> and then it was when I moved into the software industry and the software world, it's when I, I really started to um, hone those skills. Mm. And what would you say changed about your leadership style between Computer Center, the, the course that you did, and when you were leading at Novell? What were the main changes that you saw? I, I think that's self-awareness. I, I, mm. I think it's really important that you know different leaders, especially when it's second-line management leaders, to build that trust, uh, to get the best out of those individuals, you you really need different leadership styles. So some people would want you know the um, the the coercive you know do what I say kind of approach, but naturally I, I'm I'm more of a coaching style, so yeah. I'm more of a supportive coaching style. But but in different circumstances, you do need those different leadership skills. And you only get that through self-awareness. So mm. I, I think that's when I, I went from being that coaching, 
leader into more of a right you need different leadership styles to be successful because people need different things in different mm. situations um, mm. so so any good leaders would would have multiple uh, leadership styles mm. so it sounds like it made you a bit more versatile and understanding different situations need different things and being able to actually give that to people yeah i i think it makes you a more of a uh a, a fuller individual yes. with, with that because you know, most intelligence isn't just in the business world. It, it's, you know, mm. we, we touched on, you know, the, the social skills uh, mm. and, and, you know, how you interact with people, you mm. know, being, you know, that I've, I've, I've said it several times already, that self-awareness of mm. knowing what actions you do and how people react to that. Mm. Uh, it, it's, it's incredibly important. Uh, and when you're, really driving high growth so in the last three organizations you know i've been looking at between 200 and 300 percent revenue growth uh, wow. the last one from possibly 150 million to 600 million dollars um mm. within two years so mm. when you are managing those kind of environments there's you're moving so fast you need to give responsibility to to your team and the individuals leading mm. those teams uh, but you also need to um, understand to get the best and trust those people and give them the responsibility to deliver on that number. How have you found the balance between those? Because I think it's a really, really fine balance. Um, you, I don't, the balance is very much on um, moving fast and making decisions quickly. Mm. And try not to make the wrong decisions. So, so mm. using, you know, it comes into this leadership style where you've got to know the detail as well. You know, it's, mm. it's great to have the strategy and mm. set the goals and communicate those goals to the team. But it's really important that you do get into the detail. Uh, mm. You need to know the data uh, and you need to ensure through communication uh, and, and relationships that your team understands why why it's so critical to, to have that data to make mm. the right decisions. Uh, mm. When you're in high growth, normally you don't have enough resources because you're continually recruiting. Mm. Uh, and to get those the right resources to the right opportunities to maximize that growth, it, the, those decisions have got to be based on the right information and the right data. Uh, and mm. that's where, um, to me, that trust that you get through uh, the emotional intelligence of leadership uh, mm. with your team, it, it's a two-way street. You know, mm. uh, you can't do everything yourself. You've got to mm. delegate. You've got to be have a trust in and, and, and provide people with the responsibility to be flexible with mm. the outcome of, you know, the objective is to deliver, you know, massive sales growth uh, mm. and um, different people, different support. Um, mm. whilst you go through that process. Mm. And in talking about high growth, was that something that you chose on purpose? So you mentioned, you know, that your last three companies, there's been quite quite big growth targets. Is that something that you chose on purpose or something you kind of fell into? I, th I think it's, if you talk to any sales leader, you know, managing growth is, is far more enjoyable uh, and mm. far more exciting uh, mm. than 
those non-growth environments. So I would say over the last, probably the last 10 years, I've, I've, mm. I've been attracted to those organizations that are looking for uh, a transformation um, mm. and that transformation to deliver the growth. And, and, you know, the growth can be, it can be revenue, it can be profitability, mm. or it can, it can actually be when you're scaling up a, a, a team. Um, mm. I enjoy um, the coaching and the scaling of an organization mm. to, to drive and deliver success. Um, mm. So I'd say over the last 10 years, I, you know, I, I, I'm more selective when I'm talking okay. to organizations and I, okay. I, I very much do see myself as a growth agent. I, I think there's there's also a difference though between you know trying to grow twenty thirty forty fifty percent year on year or you know over a period and going for two hundred three hundred four hundred percent growth that's quite a big that's quite a chunky challenge it it is but you know a you always need the right solution or the right products to to mm. the demand's got to be in the market but mm. when you look at the process you look at you know how how do you build that demand? You know how mm. are you going to get that message out to to those enterprise customers or, or even the SME marketplaces? Because um, mm. when I look at my career, I have dealt with the largest enterprise customers, uh, specifically in Europe, uh, mm. whether it's financial services or, or manufacturing industries or fashion. Um, so so we've done that, but at Logitech, which was my recent. Um, experience where we, we saw incredible growth in the video mm. collaborations. Um, that was from a large enterprise customer down to a very small organization um, of five, 10 people. Uh, and, you know, it'd be wow. rather than having, you know, a handful of, of deals which you could manage closely on a mm. quarterly basis, you're, mm. you're talking about thousands of transactions. Mm. Um, mm. And that gives different challenges. Because as well as having the right people to manage that growth, you also need to build those processes behind it yeah. uh, yes. to provide with the, the to give the business the accuracy of what the forecast and the revenue is going to be, whether it's mm. demands on supply chain or with the SaaS environment, just understanding what resources are required to deliver. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I think uh, it's growth is good fun it is mm. getting the right people to deliver uh, mm. but it's also understanding where the demand is in the market where your mm. um, addressable customer base is uh, mm. and just setting out those objectives and giving the team as much support as possible to deliver those numbers and understand their responsibilities in delivering those numbers as well mm. it sounds like you know when you look at a zoomed out view of your career you've had a really successful career in those high growth environments what were some of the mistakes or some of the failures that you had along the way that contributed to that success i think one is when you're in that fast environment of growth in any organizations sometimes you still you still don't invest in what the future future is with the team so mm. maybe not continuously interviewing even when there isn't a role currently but you always need to continually you know see talent interview talent for the future uh, and i would say that's something that 
I definitely sometimes don't do because you're in a moment where everything moves so fast and you have so many mm. challenges, you've mm. got to prioritize. Uh, maybe that's one of the priorities sometimes myself and many others um, put to one side. Um, mm. so, so that would be, you know, the continued development of the, the team you're building to deliver that growth. Um, because the recruitment curve very often is behind mm. that growth curve. Mm. And you need to try and, you know, get those people in as quickly as possible and recruiting great talent in those environments. It, it, it's a challenge, you know, because mm. you, you, it's a, it's a big risk where every organization, when you, you hire someone, they might look, their CV might look great, but culturally they have to be a great fit. Uh, mm. And therefore the investment in that time is something that I, I'm aware of and it's something that I'd like to do more of. That makes sense. I think that's really interesting, especially when you don't have a role. So how do you open up some of those conversations where you want to be interviewing people, but you don't actually have a role available? And it's another challenge because most people mm. will interview when there is a role. I think you just got to be very open and transparent with people. I think, mm. uh, you know, the likes of LinkedIn makes it very easy to connect with people uh, nowadays mm. and have those conversations. And, and, you know, it doesn't have to be just an interview. It can be just conversations for the future. Uh, mm. And that's something that I, I think uh, people should invest, you know. Uh, and that's, that, to me, is an ongoing process. Uh, and whether mm. it's a function with the talent teams or the HR teams in organizations. Um, but uh, it's something that's got to be invested in for, for mm. the long term. Because mm. at the end of the day, if you want to deliver... Um, great customer satisfaction, great relationships. Uh, you need you need the teams in place to deliver. Um, mm. uh, and that I think is a challenge for every organization going through those growth stages, as well as mm. how do you make the roles easier for mm. those people to deliver? Uh, mm. That's where mm. you start looking at uh, the data, the details, mm. but, but those backend processes, mm. uh, you know, whether it's a, a B2C organization or a B2B organization, the processes are very different and mm. the support those individuals need, especially with enterprise class sales, mm. you know, you, you need the right solutions internally to support the teams to deliver the number mm. uh, and, mm. and make sure they understand why you are asking to, you know, have a, a CRM solution for Salesforce um, forecasting compared mm. with asking people to do it on a spreadsheet. Uh, <laughs> and, and you've got to commit to that objective and, mm. and ensure, you, you know, if you're going to commit to a CRM, you commit to a CRM. You don't also ask the sales team, can you also do a spreadsheet or can mm. you just put it on an email to me? You know, you, it, it's, it's the direction you go in strategically and therefore you've got to set that objective. But you mm. as a leader, has to also stick to that, even when sometimes it's not the easiest option. Mm -hmm. I, I would like to go a little bit back into your career and kind of go through the whole journey. What made you choose IT and what made you choose sales at the beginning? Um, I think uh, at an early age, um, you know, I, I enjoyed sales. My uh, father in, uh, 
in Wales had a a a, 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 a garage uh, with their okay. car sales, and uh, I, I spent you know my youth kind of in that environment where you're building relationships quickly. Yeah. Um, so that's the sales. But I I went to uh, Kingston University where okay. I did uh, uh, an IT degree, uh, and from that I really I I fell into um, an, an, a fairly new company back then called Dell Computers, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's where my sales career started. Um, okay. I think I was number 615 as employees, um, so it was Labally. a long time ago. But um, yeah, um, yeah, that's that was my sales wow. number anyway. Yeah. So uh, okay, okay. And and from I was a computer center for nearly three years. And that was the start of my career. It was, I, I, I did an IT degree. I really enjoyed sales, mm. uh, being that sociable person. Uh, and I went from uh, that IT degree to um, going into IT sales, which seemed the obvious decision at the time. Mm. Uh, mm. And I realized how lucky I am. It's a, it's a fantastic industry to be in. It's an exciting, mm. fast-moving industry. Uh, and um, I've enjoyed several roles with several companies from from the largest corporates to um you know startups where literally i'm the, the was the first person in that startup in europe mostly mm. for american companies so mm. so that's you know the difference is from leading and managing second level managers and you know 150 people to being you know part of a team of 50 people globally and being the first mm. person in Europe where, you know, you've got to wear many hats to kind of get the message out there uh, and drive those sales. Um, mm. I think, I think I'd prefer when I look back on it, I'd prefer the scale up opportunities okay. in the large organizations um, compared with that startup environment where the challenges are cash flow, you know, the challenges are, you know, uh, how are you going to sell to you know organisations who don't know who you are, and and, mm. and maybe even question the financial viability of, of that startup? Uh, mm. But I've, I've mm. done both. I'm glad I've done both because I think it gives me that wider skill set of yeah. being happy to wear many hats, um, but not just be a manager sitting at his desk, uh, being someone who who is very happy to to get involved in in the customer relationships and driving sales as well as supporting and leading uh, second line managers to make sure their teams are successful as well so what were some of the things that you did to grow throughout your career to make you more adaptable and better for these different situations i think the experience in working in different organizations um, mm. and also in different markets uh, because we talked about working in it but you know i've gone from the vendor relationships to um, working at you know, the, uh, one of the europe's leading resellers or as okay. it was at the time of an integrator today um to to the software world where it, either it's SaaS. Or, or on-premise solutions, and, and we drove that. So, so working in those different environments, which includes fintech, uh, which includes uh, the storage data center environments, but also includes you know SaaS solutions, whether it's infrastructure, martech, mm. and mm. fintech. 
So I think that diverse experience in the IT sector really helps mm. me in understanding different demands. But but growth, the management of growth, actually, that's market where there's infrastructure or, or SaaS um, or wind collaboration. Uh, it's it's still about people. It's still about managing, creating that demand, managing mm. how we're going to hit those goals with the teams and, and supporting that team or driving that team through emotional intelligence and leadership mm. styles to make sure everyone's successful because it's, it's a team sport. Um, I'm, I'm one leader in, in the Nordex might have a very different approach uh, to to your sales leader in uh, Southern Europe. Um, mm. And you've got to support that, manage that, and really build those one-to-one relationships with your direct line managers. Because, uh, again, it's the responsibility of the trust. And, and if they fail, I fail. And mm. likewise, if I don't give them that support, it, it, it's, it, you're not going to deliver the growth that we always want to deliver for the business. You mentioned about failure. What's your approach to dealing with failure? I think it, it it's you've got to be aware when you're failing, and if it's a mm. decision, it, it, there's many reasons why that happened. Uh, but as long as you don't repeat the same mistake, expecting a different result. Uh, mm. If if you 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 lose a deal and everybody does lose deals obviously or or you it's a bad hire or or you're not delivering the growth that you expected um for whatever reason uh you've got to try and fix that problem um and and do that as quickly as possible and not just keep on sticking to the objectives you've set which maybe not the right objectives so it mm-hmm. comes with that flexibility it comes with them um, uh, being self-aware that if a mistake has been made or something's mm. happened, mm. you fix it and move on as quickly as possible. And everybody, you know, no one likes making mistakes, but we're all human. And when mistakes are made, mm. that transparency, that openness, and again, going back to that trust, uh, which you build with, with your team uh, to know that you know people are happy to say hey we got it wrong let's mm. let's do this to fix that problem uh, to drive the results that we all want to succeed at mm. Mm. that makes sense and would you mind talking us through so i know you've mentioned a couple of bits here and there would you mind talking through your career from kind of start to where you are now um yeah it's, as i say it's uh probably 30 years so um uh, I, I think I had a, a great experience at um, Dell when in the early days, um, mm. you know, and that very much, um, you know, the just the PCs and that was selling to government. Um, then I, I, I went to Computer Center, um, which really was providing solutions and really dr- everything driven by customer mm. relationships. Mm. Uh, and that's when I first got my, let's say, leadership role. Okay. Um, within the government teams, where we saw phenomenal growth um, from, I think, 30 million to, as I said, about 500 million 
uh, over over several, a lot, long time. But but you know it was a great team we had at Computer mm. Center, and I think Computer Center really gave me the basis of you know the solution selling approach, which we haven't touched on. And, and you know solution selling is really important when you especially when you sell to enterprise. You've got to understand the business value in in mm. why an enterprise customer is gonna you know, invest in your solution. Mm. Um, so I was at Computer Center, I think about 11 years. Uh, and that's that's when I, I made the move into software. Um, okay. And that was just, I had the opportunity and joined Novell, uh, which was interesting because Novell had a declining business in okay. their um, infrastructure, let's say the workplace, um, the old, you know, uh, net network, and uh, group-wise and all these kind of products, which were obviously in decline. But it was an exciting time because they were also a market leader in mm. identity and security solutions. Okay. And also uh, with Suzy Linux, uh, which was the open source technology. And that's where I also got that um, experience in working in the open source community as well, which I think mm. is a great place. Mm. Um, so I was at Novell for seven, maybe eight years. Uh, and Novell got acquired, um, and at that level, um, the, the the role which I was in, at leading the UK and Ireland business, is a you know 100 million software business, um, came to an end, uh, and uh, that's when I, I moved into um, a couple of startups. Yeah. Uh, so I did a, a few startups um, with um, uh, all American based. Uh, which gave me another great experience because then I started, you know, spending three weeks out of a month, uh, out of four in the US, um, wow. you know, driving, driving, you know, sales. And that was um, uh, data solutions, data migration okay. solutions, which was, which was great fun, mm. uh, but, but hard work because, mm. you, you know, you're wearing many hats. You, mm. you don't have the resources required. Mm. Um, so there's, did that, um, uh, and some, we said, some some did fail because, you mm. know, you think the solution that you're working with is a great solution, but then sometimes it's too early for the market. The mm. demand isn't there. Mm. Uh, and that's another challenge. In, in If you go to a startup, you really do have to have the solution, which you know delivers, uh, and there's a demand in the market for it. Mm. So um, that, that was some, several learnings, uh, and mm. I think there was a, uh, four startups I've actually done, oh, wow. um, which is which which gives you that um, uh, challenge. You know, you you do in a startup, you know, have you, you wear many hats. You know, it's about mm. the the cash flow, about um, you know making the decisions and prioritizing mm. more than anything else because mm. you know you really you know, the, the you do have deals where you know. Getting the cash in is the most important priority. Um, so, so that was that was an interesting stage of my career. Uh, again, giving me a real variety of skills uh, and, and what you have to do. So, you know, I went mm. from a literally a senior management role um, mm. where I was, you know, third line managers uh, managing, you know, a hundred million dollar software business mm. to literally, you know, doing pipeline creation, demand generation, mm. uh, selling, invoicing, cash flow, uh, and everything um, with no resources. 
So, so I think you know that's that flexibility has given me an understanding of uh, there's never one answer. Mm. There's multiple different answers to different challenges, and you've got to look at that and understand mm. that mm. what what is the best solution for at that time. Uh, mm. So that's a really interesting time. Um, and and then um, I went back into um, the fintech um, for a, a little while, um, which was basically bringing three organisations into one. So it was very internal okay. based, but it was it was um, a, le- a leader in um, uh, in fin- uh, in financial services. Um, mm. uh, but that was only for a few years, and then I uh, was lucky enough to. Um, uh, going to Martech with uh, Magenta, mm. which was acquired by Adobe after a few years. And okay. um, the team there was, again, high growth, delivering mm. in excess of 200% every year, going wow. from an a on-premise solution to an e-commerce mm. SaaS mm. solution, uh, and mm. always working with partners. And that partner ecosystem, as well as the customers, the partner ecosystem, especially Magento, uh, was was incredible. Um, mm. So you had relationships with the part and relationships with the end customers, and and, and a, a great uh, organization where where the growth was really really good fun in a martech environment where mm. the demand was there, and, and mm. that's where you know when you look at you know where you move and what organizations you want to go to, you also want to look at the market and go you know is there demand is there growth. And if you look at the digital experience for customers to buy online and how organizations have to sell online now, mm. it was an absolute mm. great place to work. You know, that e-commerce marketplace is, is really interesting. And that, uh, that customer experience of how you attract people, how you maximize the transactions uh, is, again, a very different sales cycle Yes. A very different approach to to data center infrastructure or, or fintech. Um, so mm. so really really enjoyed that. Uh, uh, and then the last my last role was um, uh, leading the Logitech um, uh, business for video collaboration. Uh, and during the pandemic, the demand in the market was huge, mm. uh, and I got the opportunity to to lead uh, that team across Europe. Uh, and we, you know, the, the the revenues were were amazing. You know, mm. we saw we saw, as I said, you know, three hundred percent growth on an annual basis for uh, for nearly two years. Um, mm. And that was really growing the team again. So that was very much about how do you build for the future? Because mm. uh, the demand was there in the market. It was mm. well, how do we, how do we deliver? You know, the products were great. But how do we deliver and also understand and manage that business uh, mm. when you're in mm. that real high growth environment? And we touched on those the importance of, you know, what is your approach? How do you forecast? How do mm. the teams, you know, the, some, one person might be really optimistic in their forecast, another person can be really conservative. And when mm. you bring all those parts together, you know, to to give the business as accurate as possible um, forecast because business decisions are made on mm. those revenues is a challenge. 
but it was mm. a it was an exciting time, mm. and I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, we'll see what happens next. Mm. So, so you mentioned a couple of times great teams. So, what do you think makes a team great? Trust. Okay. I think selecting the right people in an organization is critical. You know, mm. the cultural uh, fit has to be great. Mm. You want a positive environment. You know, mm. you want people to be motivated mm. where we all agree with the objective. So you've mm. got to communicate, communicate, and communicate. Uh, you, you don't want that silence uh, because you can hold people to account mm. and make people responsible as long as they understand what the goal is. If yes. someone doesn't understand what the goal is and they don't understand what my expectations are or the organization's mm. expectations, how can mm. you hold them to account? So, mm. so again, a great team is about building trust both ways. So, so if, if someone does make a mistake, they're happy to put their hand up, uh, and you know they know that they'll be supported and coached mm. through it, uh, and, and also you know have fun. I think you know people don't. Uh, when I say fun, you know we all work very hard. You spend mm. such a huge part of your time working. You know you want to enjoy that environment. Yeah. And that's where leadership becomes so important. Um, mm. You know, managing those people who need different expectations. So, you know, I've, I've had great sales leaders who sometimes need to be told, put the mm. phone down and go for a walk for an hour. Because mm. these people, so many people work so hard, you need to also understand that some, some people need to step back sometimes mm. before they make the wrong decision. Um, and that's, mm. I think, you know, coming back to what we said in the beginning about mm. the importance of uh, emotional intelligence, about empathy, mm. about, you know, different people need different things. Mm. You know, one person might want to be told, we do it this way, let's go. Or mm. some people might want to have input into that decision-making process and more of a yes. democratic kind of viewpoint where, you know, you're allowing people to make the decision because if someone has the responsibility of making the decision, they mm. bought into that decision. Mm. Um, so, mm. so I, think that, yeah, I think uh, building trust, um, helping people succeed through mm. different leadership styles, mm. coaching, and, and and that environment where people, you know, want to come to work. They 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 enjoy their work. Uh, mm. And to me, if if you if you're you're happy in work, it it it, it makes a huge difference mm. because you then succeed. Mm. Mm. Who would you say is the, the best leader or the leader that has had the most intelli emotional intelligence that you've had in your career? Oh, I, I think you, you look at some of people, you know, I mentioned uh, Computer Center several times with, uh, you know, mm. Mike Norris, who's been at, you know, the CEO of Computer Center for a very long time and mm. hugely successful. That was, you know, a, a great environment. Um, mm. Also, there's Colin Brown, who was my direct manager at Computer Center, um, mm. and you know, long-term friend. Uh, but you, you go back to you know, even the the Michael Dells of this world, you know, mm. inspirational. Um, mm. uh, so, so yeah, I, I think it's been great. Um, the, the the last one I think was um, you know um, when you look at uh, Mark Laval and uh, Gary Spector um, uh, and people like that. Um, so, so you know, 
you, you do. You you have these leaders who 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 lead by example, who support people, and 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 drive that business forward, which I think is mm. you know the right way to do it. One of the things I wanted to go back into is you, you've mentioned first line leadership, second line leadership, and I think also third line leadership. What do you think is the difference as you progress through those lines of leadership that you need to adapt to as a leader? Um, trust in delegation. You can't do everything yourself. Um, and when the, the people who are closer to the, 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 the cold face and are mm. you know, driving the business, uh, you've got to mm. give them Local trust. Um, mm. you, you want to be seen and, and actually work with people at all. Mm. It doesn't matter, you know, whatever the level is. You know, you you want to be able to be open, transparent, and, and have mm. a relationship with everybody or as much as mm. possible. But um, I, I think the, the higher you, you you go in an organisation, sometimes it gets more and more internally focused. Mm. And that's the challenge where you, you you you've got to ensure that you know you try to your best to stay. You know, at the end of the day, customers pay the bills in buying those solutions. And mm. you know, I and I do love that part of the business of meeting people and building those relationships. Um, mm. So yeah, uh, I think uh, uh, the roles and responsibilities change, but I I also believe that, you know, the core skill sets are very similar. Mm. That's great. That's great. So just, just as we close, we have a closing tradition called our tick fire questions. So I will ask you a few questions in quick succession and you answer basically as quickly as you can. Okay. What are the top three things that you look for when you're hiring someone? Work ethic, mm -hmm. experience, and likability. Okay. Do you hire on attitude or skill first? I think attitude. I think, you know, okay. go back to that work ethic I just mentioned, you know, someone might have, you know, tick all the boxes, but if they don't have that, you know, right attitude, um, mm. culturally, it could be, you know, it could be a challenge. Okay. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Relationships and, and, and empathy are, are, are key. And mm. so those people skills people skills mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what would you like to do next um i'd, I'd like to continue in the, those growth challenges uh, and and you know drive businesses but also really enjoy coaching and developing teams uh, and, mm -hmm. and so going back you know to the people side i'm, I'm a very people first kind of individual mm -hmm. i think people drive change i think people mm -hmm. drive success uh, and therefore, well, whatever my next challenges are, it will be to help manage, lead, coach, and develop teams for success. Love that. And final question, what advice would you give to someone at the start of their career? Listen, understand the objectives, and, and, and don't be frightened to make a mistake uh, mm. because experience will help you, you know, be successful but you, you're gonna, you, you, everybody in their careers will lose deals. It's, mm. it's the fact of sales. Uh, and sales, I think, is, is a very challenging career. It's a hugely fulfilling career. I, I've enjoyed every minute of it. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think my advice to anybody would be, you know, understand your customer needs and build relationships. Mm. I'm going to be cheeky and squeeze in one more question. What has been your proudest moment of your career? Oh, I think there's been many because I've really, I've really enjoyed, you know, seeing people develop uh, mm. uh, and, and become successful. So that, that there's not one individual one. Uh, there's many of where someone's been in my team and they've gone on mm. to be hugely successful. Uh, mm. And that to me is probably the proudest moments. Uh, maybe we don't even ever say it, but um, to me, that's great. And, and, and you know, winning those first deals all those mm. years ago, you know, mm. uh, Dell Compute Center and, and Novell have been a hugely proud moment. Sean, thank you so much for, for your time and for sharing your stories and your journeys. And I really, really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. No, definitely enjoyed it. Thank you again and uh, in, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. And all the best as you, as you look for your next adventure and challenge of growth. Thank you. And thank you Bye. guys for listening and see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to What Makes You Tick. And I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed having the conversation. Absolutely. You don't have to have met someone in real life to be mentored by them, right? We've all got favorite sales books. And hopefully this podcast is giving you access to a whole new tribe of mentors who through their stories and best advice will help you to achieve a bigger and better career in tech. So if you want to never miss a beat, subscribe now and then you'll get notified as soon as next week's mentor releases their story thank you so much and we'll see you on the next episode